Planning a trip to Ireland would be easy if you had unlimited time. Well, actually, let me say that differently because that's kind of cheap. Nobody has unlimited time. I could plan a perfect trip to Ireland if I had 30 days. If I had that kind of time, I could see everything and I could spend a little time at the key places, at all the key places, and make sure that I had seen everything. The problem is nobody has that kind of time. Most people have jobs to get back to. But even if you're retired, people just don't want to spend 30 days off on one trip. Typically, they'll spend about two weeks tops, maybe as short as a week. And that's what makes it tough. Now, that said, another way to go about this is that you can do multiple trips to Ireland. And that's kind of how I've gotten around this trap, is that I have taken multiple trips and I might concentrate on, say, the West Coast in one trip or the North Coast in another trip. And that allows me to spend more time concentrating on areas. But most people don't want to do that. There's a big world out there. There's lots of places to go and see. And most people don't want to just keep going to Ireland over and over. So what do you do about that? There's not much you can do. I mean, you can go in a mad rush and try to see absolutely everything and go, go, go the entire time and change hotels every day to get from one place to another and really get after it. But take my word for it, that is just not a good way to go. I always say that the only way to screw up a trip to Ireland is to spend it your whole time in a car. And you just don't want to do that. But still, you've got to make choices. Sometimes, in the case of lesser sites, you just have to forego them. And just skip them and know that you're doing right because you're going to go see other spectacular things. Sometimes, though, there's an awesome place and you just can't spend the kind of time that you want there. And that is what we're going to face when we get to the place that I'm going to talk about today, which is Inishmore. Inishmore is this awesome island. It's up in the Connemara region. It's in County Galway and it sits off the coast. It's about a 10 mile long island, maybe a mile or two wide. It is just this really wild, remote, scenic island that you're going to love. You feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. You can only get there by ferry. You're dealing with some real Irish Gaelic stuff here. And in addition to that, it's home to an amazing ancient fort called Dun Angus. And I can create a perfect itinerary for you on this island where you can see absolutely everything and do everything in the best way so that you're right where you want to be to take the best pictures and you can hang out with the locals at the pub and get to know everything about it. But the problem is you're going to have to stay on the island a few days and nobody has that kind of time if you're trying to see a lot in Ireland. And I know this. I, I've done it. On one of my trips to Ireland, we spent two nights on Inishmore in the town of Kilronan. And we did that because we wanted to be up at sunrise. And if you're a photographer, you know this, that to get good scenic photos, to get good landscape photos, you need to either be out at sunrise or sunset. And if you're just taking the ferry over every day, like a normal day tripper, then you can't do that. So in order to be where we wanted to be, we needed to be on the island. And then that had other benefits as well because Inishmore is a small island and there's only one town on it 
called Kilronan, and it's a small town as well. And so the first night, we got to talking to some of the locals because, you know, while tourists staying overnight is not unheard of or even uncommon, you do stand out. Once the night comes, the island pretty well clears out, and so there's only usually a few tourists and the locals on the island. So we got to talk to some of them, and then by the second night, it was like we were relatives. So it was great. And you can do all that, but then, you know, let's say you're only going to be in Ireland for 10 days, for 13 or 14 days. You just can't spend two days on Inishmore. You've, you've got to see a lot of other things, going from, you know, all the peninsulas in the south and the McGillicuddy Reeks and Dingle and the Cliffs of Moher and the Burn and Connemara and, and on and on and on. There's just too much to see. So you really can't spend that kind of time on Inishmore. So we're going to approach this like a standard tourist, much as it pains me to say that. We're just going to take the ferry over, we're going to see the sights, and then get back on the ferry and head back to Galway. And honestly, unless you have more than, say, two, three weeks in Ireland, that's what I recommend you do as well. The reality is you can see 90% of what you want to see on that island in a standard day trip. And as to the things that you might stay overnight for, the first, as I said, was sunrise and sunset photos. And the reality is that's a low percentage play in Ireland. You know you know about the rain in Ireland, and there's also a lot of clouds, a lot of mist, and it's just not the kind of place where you're likely to see a big dramatic sunrise or sunset with a lot of color and just a few clouds in the sky. It just, it does happen, but... Like I said, it's a low percentage play. And, you know, you will miss out on hanging out with locals in a pub, but, you know, there's pubs in Galway and they're plenty good too. Anyway, enough of my carrying on about how long you may or may not get to spend there. I want you to be excited because you are going to get to go to Inishmore and it is awesome. Let me tell you what you'll be getting into here. Like I mentioned, this is an island off the coast of Connemara, and you can only get there by ferry. This is a, a people-only ferry, and there's not many vehicles on Inishmore. When you get there, you're going to land in the only town on the island, which is called Kilronan. And from there, you're going to see the island, but most importantly you're going to go see an ancient fort called Dunangus. This is a really old fort. And you may have listened to one of my other episodes in this series where I talk about how to sort of date things in Ireland. And I gave you three dates. One being 1200, which is when the English came. And that's pretty old. Then you have 800, which is when the Vikings came. And that's really old. And then you have the 400s when St. Patrick and Christianity came, and that is really, really old. But what we're talking about here when we talk about Dun Angus is off the scale old. It is older than anything that we've talked about. It's actually BC. They don't actually know when it was built, but it was, you know, maybe a few hundred years before Christ, and it may be a thousand years BC. They don't really know, but it is old and it is off the scale. Anyway, it's in this old, I call it beehive fashion, 
where it's basically stones placed on top of each other and put together, but it's really tall, really super thick walls. And perhaps the most dramatic thing about it is that it's perched up on these cliffs. These cliffs are 300 feet high, and they're absolute sheer cliffs that go down to the ocean. And that's where uh, the fort is. So it's part, you know, really old fort, but it's part just dramatic scenery. And it's just a really amazing place. So anyway, that's where we're headed. And what I want to do here, in addition to kind of telling you about it and telling you what you're in for, is give you an idea of how your day might go and let you know how to approach it and what I think is the best way so that you can maximize your time on this island. So here's the way your day is going to go. The And you have to sort of reverse engineer this a little bit because you, you have to work with the fairies. What you should do is take the first ferry over and the last ferry back. The first ferry over is at 10.30 in the morning and it runs out of a place called Rossville. Rossville is about 20 minutes outside of Galway, so you're going to need to drive there. They, they do have a bus if you don't have a car, but frankly, I don't know how you're getting around up there if you don't have a car, so you'll be driving most likely. They have a parking lot, and it, it's easy parking and everything like that, but you got to make sure you're on time. And in that regard, I would be a, a little early, probably 10 o'clock at the latest. So you probably want to leave no later than 9.30 from Galway probably a, a little bit earlier that'll get you there for the ferry the ferry is it's a pretty good sized boat this isn't like what you may have ridden out to uh, Skellig Michael or the Blasket Islands or anything like that this is a big ferry it's going to hold a few hundred people on it it's going to have a refreshment stand it's going to have a bar it's going to have comfortable seats and you're not going to get wet so it's a pretty comfortable ride the ferry takes about 40 minutes to get to, to Kilronan, so you ought to be disembarked by about 11.15. So that's your starting point. Now, your return time is going to dictate what you can do here, and the last ferry back is going to be at 5 o'clock p.m. So you're going to need to be back at the ferry terminal before 5 o'clock. If you miss that ferry, you are spending the night in Kilronan, and that's not what you want to do probably. So you need to make sure you've left yourself some time to catch that 5 o'clock ferry. So I would just plan on being back very close to the pier by about 4.30. So you have between 11.15 in the morning and 4.30 in the afternoon to uh, see Inishmore and Dunangus. So the next question then is how should you go about that? Well, what we need to talk about in that regard is how you're going to get around. Like I mentioned, the island is about 10 miles long, but Dun Angus is about four and a half miles from Kilronan. So assuming you just want to go to Dun Angus, you'd need to go four and a half miles each way. You can walk, but that's going to take you a good hour and a half each way. And, you know, given that you only have a little under five hours, spending three hours walking up and back to Dun Angus is probably not the best idea. So your options are you can either take a minivan tour, you can take a horse and buggy carriage ride, or you can rent a bike. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say maybe not on the horse and carriage ride. At least if you're going on one of my tours, that isn't going to make a lot of sense. They only hold a couple of people, they cost quite a bit more, and it's just not an efficient use of our time. So what I think is either coach or bike and probably coach 
or van, I should say. Anyway, let me not give short shrift to the bike though because I did that one time and I think it's really cool. Again, you're only talking four and a half miles from Kilronan. They have plenty of bike rental places there and it's, it's not a hard ride. Believe me, even if you're a, a really slow bike rider and let's say you only average uh, 10 miles an hour and that's slow then it would still take you just under half an hour to get to Dunangus. So it's definitely doable. And there's a good part to this too, is that you control your own schedule. You can stop and take pictures of whatever you want, wherever you want along the way. There's two ways to get to Dunangus. There's a high road and a low road. Uh, the high road is sort of in the middle of the island, and then the low road is along the north coast. So there's a lot of cool uh, coastal scenery on that low road that you can see on your way back. So, you know, it's a cool option, but most people are going to want to go with the minivan. The minivan has a lot of advantages too, not the least of which is that you're going to get a native of the island who's going to be giving you commentary as you go along. I've only done this once. <laughs> And the guy was absolutely crazy. And it was really funny, actually. So I, I, I hope I get him again. His name was Bertie, if you ever run into him. But they really add a lot to it. They're pointing out stuff that, that you would never pick up on your own. They'll give you a, a few places to stop and let you out and take pictures. They'll drive you to Dunangus and they'll wait at the bottom and then they'll, they'll take you back. So it's a really convenient thing to do. And obviously, it's a lot easier, too. Now let's talk about Dunangus itself, which is going to be the star of the show. That's This is what most people come to Inishmore to see, and certainly what we're going to spend the vast majority of our time seeing. When you get off the van at Dunangus, you're going to have a walk in front of you. First, you're going to have an area where there's going to be a small cafe, there's going to be a little museum, there's going to be a little shop and stuff like that, and you'll buy your tickets here. But then you're going to have quite a walk ahead of you. I think it's about a kilometer and it's all uphill. For most of the way up, it's just a gravel path that sort of gradually goes uphill. But as you get near the top, then you start getting some steps as well. So it's not hard. I think if you're in good shape, you'll find it a nice walk. If you're out of shape, you'll huff and puff a bit. But I've seen lots of people do it who were not in good shape. So it's not something that I don't think you'll be able to do. But it will involve some walking. When you get to the top, you're going to see two things, the fort and the cliffs. Like I said, the fort is, it's mostly just walls. But they're, they're tall and they're super thick. And you can't imagine people building this over 2,000 years ago. It's, it's insane. So that part is really cool. But like I said, the maybe more impressive thing is its location on these cliffs that are 300 feet up. This is probably a good time for me to talk about safety around these cliffs. And, and by this point in the tour or on your trip to Ireland, you're likely to have seen a number of cliffs. And the question sort of becomes, how do you take all this in and stay safe at the same time? And the answer is, you stay the hell away from the edge of the cliff. That's what most people will do. Uh, and that's what maybe you should do. Now, I'm going to confess something to you that I'm not always in that camp. And there's been lots of times when I want to get up to that edge and I want to get that picture. I don't recommend that to you, but you may find yourself in that situation. And if that's the case, I do have one bit of advice for you. And I actually learned this 
on Inishmore. I was in a pub and there was a group in there. It was a tour group. And the tour leader was talking to his people about what they were going to do tomorrow. And he imparted this little pearl of wisdom, which I have since adopted. And he said, if you are within 10 feet of the edge of a cliff, you are on your stomach. And that was sort of his rule to them. Again, I've adopted that for myself and I I recommend it for you. If you are near the edge of the cliff, I mean, it's like nuclear war. The odds of it happening are small, but if it happens, the consequences are huge. And and you just don't want to risk it. So, you know, anything can happen. You can lose your footing. A big gust of wind can come up and knock you off balance. The ground might be uneven. There's a lot of things that can happen. So don't chance it. If you are on your stomach, virtually none of those bad things can happen. You can't fall over if you're already laying down. You can't. The wind can't blow you down if you're already laying down. And so what I've done when I wanted to get this shot uh, off in the edge of a cliff or something is that I will basically get down and crawl to the edge with my camera and then hold it out and, and take my picture and then you know, move backwards. And even then, man, it makes you nervous. By the end, I'm usually breathing heavy. Sometimes I'm sweating, even though I haven't actually done anything. And it can be scary. So I don't necessarily recommend that. But I am saying that if you do go to the edge, then, you know, you probably really need to be taking extreme measures to make sure you don't fall off, such as being on your stomach. Anyway, that's what you'll do at the top of Dunangus is check out the fort, check out the cliffs, walk around and see the whole thing. Most people don't spend more than, I don't know, probably no more than an hour at the top and then a little time in the uh, gift shop or the cafe. And I think when your van is ready to leave, you'll be ready to go as well. That's gonna leave you some time. And so the question you might have is what to do with that time. And I recommend that you go to Joe Waddy's. It is my favorite pub on the island. And I think it's pretty much everybody's favorite pub. There are, I don't know, maybe four or five or six pubs on the island. And I've been to them all and checked them all out and very quickly realized that Joe Waddy stood head and shoulders above all of them. And so then the last time I went, I went only to Joe Waddy's. And I think that's that was a good decision. So they have food. They have an outdoor seating area as well if it's nice, and it's just really a great place. So you might spend your time there. It's only a few minutes walk from the pier, so you can get back pretty quickly. Do not lose track of time, though, because like I said, if you miss that ferry, then there's no more that day, and you'll be spending the night in in Kilronan. Anyway, you might want to get back actually a little early anyway because they do have a few shops and things right near the pier on the waterfront that you might want to check out as well. So from there, you'll just get back on the ferry. You'll have about a 40-minute ride back to Rossafield, pick up your car, and then head back to Galway. And, you know, you'll be back by around 6.30, so plenty of time to get ready for dinner and head out and have a nice dinner in Galway. And at the end of that, man, you have had yourself one hell of a day. Anyway, now that we've talked about logistics, let's talk about what you're seeing on the island itself and some things that you might want to pay attention to and make sure that you're getting the most out of your trip there. First, I should explain that the island, it kind of looks like the burn if you've been there. It's a, it's a flat 
island and it's very sort of moonscape-esque. And in addition to that, there's these stone walls everywhere. And these things look to be ancient. They're basically made of these stack rocks and, and they just have them everywhere. You'll see them as you're, as you're driving around or riding around. And notice something, notice a few things about these walls is that there's no mortar in them, that these are stacked rocks and that they have little gaps in them. And they do that for a reason is that that allows the wind to go through the rocks. So when you know, there's really strong winds, which of course there will be in an island off the Atlantic coast, that the wind can kind of go through and not push the walls down. So that actually helps them remain standing, you know, for a long time. And that also allowed them to move the walls if the farm changed or the cattle situation changed or whatever. They could actually just take the rocks down and then move them to somewhere else. Another interesting thing you'll see that here is that, and, and this is my own little thing, is that whenever I look at these walls, I feel like they never actually have a proper gate. Sometimes they do, but a lot of times in these fields, they'll just take crates. Like if you were getting a really big delivery, the slats that are made of wood that the thing comes on, like basically if you ordered, I don't know, a dishwasher, and there'd be a wooden structure on the bottom that they were delivered on, and then you would take it off and there'd be this wood thing on the bottom. A lot of times, if you look at these walls, that's what the gates are, is these wooden things. And, and once it caught my eye, I really started looking at it. And, and you see that everywhere. And to me, it just kind of shows how poor Ireland has been. And once you see that, you start seeing other signs of it as well. Like, for example, I find that when I look at boats there, I hardly ever see fenders or bumpers like you would see in the U.S. You see those big plastic sometimes inflatable things of different colors and they hang them off the sides of the boats to keep them from crashing into docks or other boats or whatever. And in Ireland, you almost never see them. I feel like all I ever see is old tires hung from piers, hung from boats and things like that. And, and there's a lot of reuse stuff uh, that you see. And this is just one good example. Anyway, in a place like Inishmore, you're gonna find yourself just sort of thinking about how people used to live here. And it was remarkably cut off from civilization. And you'll see some of this, these things as you go. In particular, there's a lot of information right before you head up to Dunangus. There's a display there and a, a, a lot of cool pictures and information for you to check out. There'll be a lot about how people dealt with things like hospitalizations and how they got to and from the uh, island. And think about that when you're on your ferry in the comfortable seat having a drink, how they got there 100 years ago or 200 years ago or 500 years ago. And they'll tell you that. And I'll let the cat out of the bag because I want you to think about it as you're on the ferry. They had these, basically they were glorified canoes and they were called Kurrigs, C-U-R-R-A-G-H. And they would put it looks like from the pictures about six, eight people in them. And they would have usually four rows or oars, I guess with two guys uh, rowing. And then they'd have a guy in the back steering. And that's how they would get out from Rossville to Kilronan. And when you're in the middle of that bay with those waves going, it you just can't even imagine it that these guys were headed out to this island that way. And that's how people got back and forth. And this will dovetail with something I talked about in one of my other recordings 
is about the number of people. Today, there are 840 people on Inishmore, and, and there's 1,200 in all the Aran Islands. Inishmore is one of, and the largest of, some islands called the Aran Islands. There's Inishir, Inishowen, Inishmore. Inishmore is the largest one and the one where pretty much everybody goes to. Anyway, so there's 1,200 on all three of those islands with the vast majority, about 840 on Inishmore. Well, I had mentioned about how areas had gotten smaller over time, largely due to emigration and largely stemming from the Great Potato Famine in the uh, 1840s. So if we flash back in time, in 1841, when they had a census, this was pre-famine, there were 3,500 people on the Aran Islands. And I actually don't know how many of them were on Inishmore, but if we look at the fact that it's the largest island and it has three quarters of the population now and kind of extrapolate from that, it seems a pretty safe bet that there were probably, what, 2,500 people on that island? And so you're dealing with a population now of about a third what you were dealing with back then. And so it's interesting to be in yet another place with a, a, a dwindling population, which is not very common. But then think about it from the standpoint of, okay, they were doing this in 1841. It isn't like they were taking a cigarette boat out to the island. I mean, they were in these currents getting back and forth uh, under a variety of situations. How do you do that in the winter? Uh, how do you do that with a pregnant woman? How do you do that under all of these situations? And it's just, you, it's unimaginable almost. So again, think about that as you're enjoying a drink in your comfortable seat on the ferry and be thankful for how good we have it. Anyway, I think that seems like a good place to call it for this episode. I hope this adds a little bit to your trip to Inishmore and I really do think this will be a highlight of your trip.